Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home In our last session of Dars Hadith A detailed explanation was given With regards to the absence of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an From the battle of Badr And in conjunction to that the demise of Hazrat Ruqayya radiallahu ta'ala anha was also explained the beloved daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the beloved wife of Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an scholars have mentioned that when Hazrat Ruqayya radiallahu ta'ala anha was breathing her last in Madinatul Munawwara Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the companions was engaged in the battle of Badr so on one side the Muslims were busy in jihad fi sabirillah whilst in Madinatul Munawwara Hazrat Uthman was responsible for Hazrat Ruqayya radiallahu ta'ala anha and in Madinatul Munawwara she passed away now Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an as well as other companions also these were individuals who were well informed with the rulings of Sharia and therefore immediately without wasting time it was a quick burial a quick burial though she was the daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Badr is not very far and news was already coming in Madinatul Munawwara that victory is with the Muslims and inshallah very soon the Muslims will be returning back but even then without wasting time immediately preparation was done and Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala knew exactly what the sunnah was that you don't waste time and this is the hadith of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam that when a believer be it a man or a woman passes away nobody can hear the words from that mayyit of course but the words are qaddimuni 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 when people waste time it is giving taklif trouble to that person who has passed away and so that mayyit is actually saying take me quickly quickly why are you keeping me here 
for a Muslim, the hereafter Jannah is better than this dunya. So the words we can't hear, but Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam has explained, قَدِّمُونِي قَدِّمُونِي Take me quickly, take me quickly. So it's a lot of pain. That Mayyid is very anxious. And so Hazrat Uthman bin Affan did not even wait for the coming of Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the father, and immediately everything was done. When Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam came, he stood over the grave of the beloved daughter Ruqayya radiallahu ta'ala anha and made dua and that was it. So this was the common practice amongst Sahabai kiram ajma'een. These were people who would not compromise sharia. Subhanallah. That is why it comes in the hadith that there was a lady who would often come to Masjid Nabwi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and she would sweep and clean the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. One night uh, she fell ill and she passed away. Immediately women gathered, gave her ghusl, the coffin was put on, Sahaba Kiram Ajma'in carried her to Jannatul Baqi and she was buried. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was not even informed. As not to disturb him late in the night, the burial was done. And only the next day, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam was informed. And Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam came again and stood over the grave and made dua for her. And so you will find many ahadith which speak of uh, the importance of quick burial. This is the sunnah and the hukam, the command of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this again is very very important, especially in the world that we live in today. Alhamdulillah, in the Muslim part of the world we don't have this difficulty. You know, somebody was saying to me, Maulana, in England it's quite dangerous to die on a Saturday and a Sunday. It's quite dangerous to die on a Saturday and Sunday because there's no doctors, no permission and all the documents that you need and if you were to die on a Friday most likely you'd probably be buried on a Monday Wallahu alam, I don't know the procedure but in a Muslim country Alhamdulillah immediately within one or two hours and if death comes in Madinatul Munawwara or in Makkatul Mukarrama within one and a half hours everything is done immediately Salatul Janazah is prayed even in the night even in the night so at any time, Alhamdulillah, that man or that woman is not deprived from the blessings of what Allah has stored for her or that individual. And Alhamdulillah, this is the sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ulama have mentioned that when Hazrat Ruqayya radiallahu ta'ala anha had passed away, at the same time, another great sahabi was also made shaheed. Hazrat Khunais Al-Hamasi radiallahu ta'ala an, he was made shaheed in the battle of Badr. This sahabi was married to Hazrat Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala an. And Hazrat Hafsa was the daughter of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala So Hazrat Umar lost a son-in-law who was a shaheed, Hazrat Khunais. And at the same time also Hazrat Ruqayya radiallahu ta'ala anha had also passed away. So Hazrat Hafsa was a widow and as was the Arab custom and with the Sahaba, Sahabai Kiram Ajmain, Subhanallah, 
they had this beautiful network this beautiful network when it came to supporting Muslim women not a single woman would be left without a husband for a long period of time if Sahabai Kiram Ajma'in knew of a lady who was a widow or a lady who was tagged as a divorcee immediately Sahabai Kiram Ajma'in would inform one another and say yes my brother for the sake of Allah you have to support that lady you have to support that lady you make nikah here you make nikah there and so there was this network in the Muslim world immediately the women had someone as a pillar of support subhanallah today you'll find that a lot of people wish to live in England why? because of the state support that people uh, that the government offers you a lady who's who uh, you know she, she will actually say to the husband I don't care I'll be given a house I'll be given money I'll be given everything the full complete support in fact when a child is 18 or 17 and if the father says something to the child the child will say look I've been taught in school that if your father or your mother are not treating you well then the government will supply and support you with everything accommodation money and whatever you want Allahu Akbar and this has happened this has happened we I was actually telephoned and I had to come to somebody's house and this girl rang the police reporting the mother and father who were very very good people all of a sudden through internet or some texting she came in contact with this man who who was unknown subhanallah and being young she fell in love with this man and she is now prepared to sacrifice everything that her parents had done for her in fact she calls the police early in the early hours of the morning reporting the parents the father and saying that my father does not allow me to go out with whom I want Allahu Akbar so this is the country that you live in my respected brothers it is extremely difficult but our young children don't realize how you are and what you do eventually it gets back to you eventually it gets back to you and you will suffer the consequences I remember in class when Mufti Shabir Saab was teaching hadith a man was pleading with Mufti Saab and saying Mufti Saab look please take my son uh, in Darul Ulum he won't run out now for the second time I assure you. So Mufti Sahib said, what do you mean you assure me? What guarantee do you give me? He says, I guarantee you the second time it won't happen. He says, why? He says, that is why because I gave the same trouble to my father. <laughs> because I gave the same trouble to my father. And he said that my father dropped me to a madrasa and I ran off also and then he put me back in and eventually I completed the course. So I know this is a a testing period for me I've done it to my father and so my son is, done it, is doing it to me this is dunya eventually it affects you and it affects you in a worse way my respected brothers because as as days pass you get close to the day of Qiyamah Allahu Akbar Sahabai Kiram Ajma'in were incredible people so they would support women and it was not of carnal desire but it was because for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
It was to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an concerned father, he looks at Hazrat Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala anha and now thinks that, okay, Hazrat Rukhaya has passed away. Hazrat Uthman needs a, needs a wife. My daughter is a widow and she needs a husband. And Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an was a man who would push around himself and everybody would respect him. Hazrat Uthman was a very close friend of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an. Today you can't even imagine two friends offering their daughters to one another. You can't even, you can't even imagine that. That is the world we live in today. But let us open up the lives of Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een. So Hazrat Umar came to Hazrat Uthman and said, Uthman, I have a proposition to make to you. If you wish, I have Hafsa who is suitable for you, my daughter, and Allahu Akbar, she was suitable for anyone. It comes in her character, Innaha Sawamatun Qawamatun. Two words sum everything. Innaha Sawamatun Qawamatun. A lady during the day fasts, Sawama, during the day she fasts, Qawama, in the night she stands for tahajjud. Can you find a woman like that? During the day she is fasting, and in the night she is in tahajjud. Extraordinary woman. So any man would want to marry the daughter of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an. And so he came, he said to Uthman, Uthman, what do you think? Hazrat Uthman looked at Hazrat Umar and he said that, give me a few days to think about it. And so Hazrat Umar said, fine, I'll give you a few days to think about it. After a few days, Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an comes to Hazrat Umar Farooq and says, and this is in Bukhari Sharif, that he said, there is nothing wrong with your daughter, subhanallah, she is a wonderful lady. If you propose Hafsa to anyone, nobody would reject her. I don't reject her. But at this moment, I have no intention to take any woman in my nikah. It was a difficult moment. Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam's daughter Ruqayya, who he loved dearly, passed away. So immediate nikah was quite difficult. So he said, right now I am not in the mood to take on any woman for that matter in the nikah. So please excuse me from this. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala looked at Hazrat Uthman, accepted it of course that, okay, if you don't want to marry, immediately a concerned father. Now he thinks of his best friend. <laughs> his best friend. And really they were the best friends. He thinks of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. Allah. Who better in Medina, Munawwara, is better for my daughter than Abu Bakr Siddiq? Today we look for, oh, that person, this person, this rich man. You know, women dream to get married to people who are multi-millionaires. And, and men have this desire to have women who are extremely beautiful and what not. Allahu Akbar. But with Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een, it was only one thing they would look at taqwa and piety and nothing else. Age wasn't a problem for Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een. They were strong people. 80 year old Sahabi was stronger than a man today who's in his prime age. Women were strong. Subhanallah. A, a girl who was 9 years of age in the time of 
Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam She was as mature as a girl today who is 25 As 25 Why was it that Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha got married to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at such a young age and the knowledge she gives to the ummah subhanallah Allahu Akbar so these were just different people very mature very physically very strong people people who would uphold the sunnah and have the love for the Quran and the teachings of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so he came and he said Abu Bakr my daughter I give her in your hand in nikah do you accept uh, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala a man who's senior looked at Hazrat Umar and all of a sudden he just came into this complete muted stance saying nothing just stalled on him just completely stalled on Hazrat Umar Farooq didn't say anything Hazrat Umar Farooq is saying do you want to marry my daughter Hafsa and Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq is looking at him do you want to marry my daughter? Hazrat Abu Bakr is saying nothing to him. Now, this was quite strange. This was not the character of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala. Now, Hazrat Umar Farooq radiallahu ta'ala didn't take this well. And so, he returned back and it's, it comes in the hadith and muhaddisin have mentioned that he's saying that wasn't Uthman better? At least he gave me an answer. Yes or no? Wasn't Uthman better? At least he gave me an answer. But someone who is like Abu Bakr Siddiq, saying nothing to me, when I give him my daughter, uh, for him to make nikah with, and he doesn't give me an answer. Subhanallah, after a few days, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq didn't meet up with Hazrat Omar Farooq after that. At, well, meet up in a sense that they did not talk about this. But Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam met with Hazrat Omar Farooq, and said to him that if he would accept Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam wishes to marry Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala Hazrat Umar Farooq radiallahu ta'ala was overjoyed extremely happy imagine who better as son-in-law than Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam and immediately he accepted the proposal that came from Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and now Hazrat Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala anha does not become the wife of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq or Hazrat Uthman but better than everyone subhanallah who is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and she is now included from amongst the azwaje mutahharat radiallahu ta'ala anhun now again very quickly this was not something that was a choice for Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Rather Allah's Nabi was never given a choice When it came to choosing uh, For himself Everything was done For Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Min janibillah From Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala In fact even the children The daughters that were married This is also Min janibillah And inshallah this will be understood When he married Bibi Khadija Al-Kubra Of course she was a lady Who was the mother of nearly all the children of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So when she passed away, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was given an option to marry Sauda or Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anhumah. 
and at that time Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq's desire was that Hazrat Aisha should marry Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam but he was trapped between the Arab culture the Arabs the pagan system at that time was that if anyone even an honorary title was given to someone that he is my brother that he is my brother that would even bar and restrict him from marrying that person's daughter or for his daughter to marry the other person so now it was well known in Arabia that Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq and Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam were very very close and at times he even said that he is my brother so Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq felt that there is never a possibility that my daughter because of their custom Hazrat Aisha could ever marry Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam in fact initially she was meant to marry Hazrat Jubair ibn Mut'im Hazrat Aisha was to marry Jubair ibn Mut'im these were the words that the mu'arikheen have mentioned and this is how it was said and Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam had taken Hazrat Sauda who was very mature and much older in age so that she could even look after the children that Hazrat Khadija al-Kubra had left behind so Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam married Hazrat Sauda but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted Allah's great Nabi to have relationship Qarabaddari relationship with two of his closest companions and his two sincere assistants Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq and Hazrat Umar Farooq and therefore it was the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that after Hazrat Sauda in close succession Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was told to marry Hazrat Aisha and then also to marry Hazrat Hafsa so he married Hazrat Aisha and he also married Hazrat Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala now this was something that was uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it was not a choice given to him everything was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it was min jaanibillah there was no choice for Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it was what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had decreed for Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and, and these were the azwaj mutahharat so Bibi Khadija al-Kubra had passed away you had Hazrat Sauda and then you had Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and then you had Hazrat Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala and then Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also married other women going back to Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala after the demise of Hazrat Ruqayya radiallahu ta'ala anha again this was a difficult moment for him Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called Hazrat Umm Ayman now inshallah in our session today there are certain women who are who have been mentioned in our topic that we are covering and it would only be fair for us to explain what high status they they hold in the Sharia and how close they were to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Hazrat Umm Ayman was told to beat the duff, to beat the duff. This was again the duff was generally uh, played when there was a nikah that was to take place. So this was an indication 
that Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam wanted the middle daughter Hazrat Umm Kulsum to also marry Hazrat Uthman radiyallahu ta'ala. So Hazrat Ruqayya had passed away and Hazrat Umm Ayman was preparing Hazrat Umm Kulsum. She was younger than Hazrat Ruqayya but older than Bibi Fatima radiyallahu ta'ala anha and she came in the nikah of Hazrat Uthman radiyallahu ta'ala now this nikah was also somewhat very very unique it is said that when Hazrat Uthman radiyallahu ta'ala married Hazrat Umm Kulsum there is a hadith narrated by Hazrat Abu Huraira radiyallahu ta'ala Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Uthman Ya Uthman Hadha Jibreel Hadha Jibreel that this is Jibreel Akhbarani anna Allah ta'ala kad Zawwajaka bi ummi kulsum. Katzawajaka bi ummi kulsum. That I can see Jibreel Amin and Jibreel Amin comes to me and tells me that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already decided for Uthman to marry ummi kulsum. And Allah has married both of them. Now imagine my respected brothers. Huh? What honor is this? That after Hazrat Rukayya passes away, Jibreel Amin is saying that Allah has already decreed that Uthman is now married to Hazrat Umm Kulsum. And that is why the words are such that no choice was either given to Hazrat Uthman, but Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave a very uh, blunt statement to Hazrat Umm Ayman. Get her prepared because she is now going to get married to Hazrat Uthman. And Hazrat Uthman was... Hazrat Uthman was also told that this was something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. These were, these are great virtues of certain individuals. In fact, even for one of the wives of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, two wives were named as Hazrat Zainab. I refer to Hazrat Zainab bint Jahash. Hazrat Zainab bint Jahash. It comes in the Quran also, she is mentioned. Uh, she was the cousin sister of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She was married first to Hazrat Zaid radiallahu ta'ala and then in Surah Al-Ahzab this is explained that uh, it didn't work out. There was this bitter relationship between the two and uh, Hazrat Zainab was divorced from Hazrat Zaid radiallahu ta'ala Then Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam married the cousin sister Hazrat Zainab bint Jahash radiallahu ta'ala anha Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says فَلَمَّا قَضَى زَيْدٌ مِّنْهَا وَتَرًا زَوَّجْنَا كَهَا زَوَّجْنَا كَهَا Allah says that I have already made the nikah of Zainab with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam That the nikah is already done So this was a nikah that was done up in the heavens. That is why many a times if somebody was to say that oh Zainab how fortunate you are that your family members got you married to Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam, she would say no, no, no. Allah got me married to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the heavens. Ulama have mentioned that perhaps she is the only woman who got married without any witnesses and any wakil. Musabai, when you got married, was there a wakil? Yeah. Yeah. You remember him? You remember him? No, I don't remember. Okay, you don't remember him. 
You know how much mahar you gave? 20 pounds. 20 pounds. Oh, he was a rich, he's, he's always been rich. Musaba has always been rich, mashallah. But my wages were 20 pounds for a whole year. Okay. <laughs> so, mashallah. Right. I'll do the speaking now, Musaba. So, what had happened? She's the only lady who got married without witnesses. Without witnesses, without a wakil. Now, according to the mas'ala, if a lady is present, then you don't need the wakil. Someone who's representing the, the, the woman. So if, if a lady is behind a veil somewhere, and if the imam or the qazi was to say that, do you give me permission, and that you want to marry this individual who is in front of me, and if she says yes, that is enough. So you don't need a, a wakil. But for nikah, you need two witnesses. But nowadays, because it's difficult for a woman to come to the masjid. And again, this is another masla for those who enforce women to become imams and to allow them to be committee members so that they can rule over the imams and say, Ah, Malisab, this is how you do the ruku and sujood. It would be quite a difficult time for the ummah if this is accepted. Even in nikah, it has always been the tradition that there is always a wakil for a, a lady because of this concept of parda that has to be maintained. Alhamdulillah, if a lady wishes to come to the masjid and pray, that is fine. That is fine. In a, if there is a facility provided and women come, har, no haraj. But again, everything in moderation is accepted in sharia. Everything in moderation is accepted in sharia. So Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam got married to Hazrat Zainab. This was a nikah that was arranged by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without a wakil, without anybody there and the nikah was done so this similar pattern occurred with the daughter of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Hazrat Umm Kulsum Hazrat Umm Kulsum radiallahu ta'ala anha and subhanallah it was the decision arranged by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Hazrat Uthman to marry Hazrat Umm Kulsum subhanallah Hazrat Umm Kulsum lived with Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an until her death eventually she also passed away uh, because of an illness Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this time was present during the time of Hazrat Ruqayya he was in jihad but this time Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was there all the arrangements and preparation for burial Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself performed and it is said that for the body to be lowered down in the grave, Hazrat Abu Talha, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala, Hazrat Zaid bin Harisa, and Hazrat Fadl ibn Abbas, these were the companions who were in the grave, making sure that when the body is put down, it is done without giving any difficulty to Hazrat Umm Kulsum. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, at that time it was extremely difficult for Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Again, uh, let us not forget Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam after all was a human being but the best from all of the human beings he was a human being of course you can't deny that and he had the same feelings to a certain extent though that level of character of course cannot be compared with anything in the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but he, he showed a lot of remorse and uh, Allah's Nabi was extremely saddened at the death of Hazrat Umm Kulsum radiallahu ta'ala and he looked at Hazrat Uthman and said Uthman now I have no daughters Hazrat Fatima was already married to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala 
But if I had daughters, I would have married them to you, O Uthman. Ulama have mentioned that the ladies who gave ghusl, bathed Hazrat, the body of Hazrat Umm Kulsum, Hazrat Asma bint Umais, Hazrat Asma bint Umais, Hazrat Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib, she was the auntie of Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Hazrat Umm Ayman. Remember, Hazrat Umm Ayman was also the lady who had prepared Hazrat Umm Kulsum and she's also there now according to the narration she performed ghusl and she was also that lady who gave ghusl to Hazrat Khadija Al-Kubra so she gave ghusl to the mother of Umm Kulsum Bibi Khadija and she gave ghusl to Hazrat Umm Kulsum Hazrat, let us talk about each of these individuals very very quickly my respected brothers Hazrat Asma bint Umais Hazrat Asma binte Umais. Asma is a good name, mashallah. A lot of people ask that what names they should keep. And, and you will find a lot of the names. Aisha, Maryam, uh, mashallah, Umm Kulthum, as we speak. Subhanallah, these are good names. Safiya binte Abdul Muttalib, the, the, the auntie of Nabi Kareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She was uh, the sister of Hazrat Maymuna. Asma binte Umais was the sister of Hazrat Maymuna who was the wife of Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam an incredible lady incredible lady she was married to Hazrat Ja'far who was she married to the son of Abu Talib she was married to Hazrat Ja'far when Hazrat Ja'far became shaheed she married Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq Umar are you listening she married Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. When Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq passed away, she married Hazrat Ali. So imagine who this lady is that she married actually senior companions of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. First she married Hazrat Jafar. He was made shaheed. Then she married Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. And then he passed away. Then Hazrat Ali. And it stopped. It was said that, well, anybody who marries Hazrat Asma, <laughs> there's a possibility he goes quickly. Khair, <laughs> this was again just on a lighter note, my respected brother. But this is Hazrat Asma bint Umais, radiallahu ta'ala. What a, what a lady she was. And then we talk about Hazrat Safiya bint uh, Abdul Muttalib. It is said about her that she was a brave, strong, courageous lady very strong, a fighter a fighter it comes in the hadith during the battle of the trench Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam gathered all the women and he secluded them one side in a camp and poor Hassan bin Thabit was given this responsibility of guarding the women now Hazrat Hassan bin Thabit was someone into the Arabic linguistic and the words and the grammar this was his job he was a poet he was a poet, poet. Mm-hmm. and so Allah's Nabi said right Hassan you look after the women and just make sure and Hassan bin Sabit was a soft hearted man he would read shairi and everything that was there but he, he played a very important role in jihad mm-hmm. uh, making sure giving strength to the companions by reading such poetry that all of a sudden Subhanallah would 
spark up energy and strength in the hearts of the companions. So this man was pivotal also in the in jihad. But at this time he was looking after women. Now there was this Jewish man prowling around everywhere and looking at Muslim women and Hazrat Safiya quickly looked. Who is this man? He's not Hassan bin Sabi, not a Muslim, he's a Jewish man. So she shouts at Hassan, Ya Hassan, there's a man here. There's a man here, Hassan. Oh, Hassan said, he's not here to do anything. He's not here to do. He was a Jewish man. And Hazrat Hassan did not show any concern. So when she looked at Hazrat Hassan, is, is not too involved with what's happening, she took a stick and she said, I'll sort him out. She came out and she said to the Jewish man, do you want to fight me? Do you want to? And she is the auntie of Rasul Sallallahu This Jewish man really had bad intention. And he was there with the intention, Aliyazu Billah, to even kill the Muslim women that were there in one location. Or even to set fire to the tents. But Hazrat Sophia, she was so strong. It is said that she stood up and she fought with this Jewish man. Eventually, she overpowered him and killed him. And when she killed him, this man was cold, dead in front of Hazrat uh, Safiya. And, and then she said to Hazrat Hassan, Hassan, now come. Hassan, now come. He says, what has happened? He says, he's dead. But because he's a man, I can't lift the body. We want you to get rid of this man from us. Allahu Akbar. This was the jazbah. This was the power and strength with Muslim women. Very, very courageous. MashaAllah. And this is what we need today also. Women who are also physically very, very strong. But not to do bodybuilding. Huh? Just physically making sure that everything is toned up well. But not to go to extreme in moderation. But to be courageous and also to be very, very strong. Finally, we come to Hazrat Umm Ayman. This lady was an incredible woman. She was the carer of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam after the demise of Hazrat Amina radiallahu ta'ala anha. When she passed away, she looked after Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Few ladies from the women have this reputation and this title that Allah's Nabi has titled them to be the Umm for Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the mother of Rasulullah. And Umm Ayman radiallahu ta'ala anha is one from them. Only a few. And so Hazrat Umm Ayman was actually considered to be like the mother figure for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Such a lady that once Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was in a gathering and Hazrat Umm Ayman was passing. And so Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, if anybody wants to see a lady from Jannah, then look at Umm Ayman. MashaAllah. Anybody wants to see a lady from Jannah, Jannah then look at Umm Ayman. She was an old lady, Hazrat, not old as in very old. And Hazrat Umm Ayman was walking past. And then Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, let me tell you, whoever marries her will also go in Jannah. Allah. <laughs> Whoever marries her will also go in Jannah. She is in Jannah, 
but whoever marries her will also go in Jannah. Hazrat Zaid bin Harisa jumped up without looking at her, without even thinking of anything else, you know, just Jannah here, wholesale Jannah. Ya Rasulullah, I'll get married, I'll get married. Hazrat Zaid bin Harisa, now Hazrat Zaid bin Harisa was a slave, Allah's Nabi had purchased him at the bazaar of Uqaz and then emancipated him, gave him his freedom. He was actually known as Zaid bin Muhammad before. Mm-hmm. But then when the verses were revealed, مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ أَبَا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ مَلَاكِرْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ That you should not attach your name with that person who is not your biological father. father. When the verses were revealed, that is the time he was then known as Zaid uh, ibn Harisa. Ulama have mentioned because of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consoled him. He is the only Sahabi because at one point he was a slave and everyone knew to him to be the son of Rasulullah, though adopted, but to be the son of Rasulullah. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden because of the verses, he was cut off from this privilege. Allah honored him that he is the only Sahabi in the Quran mentioned by name. The only Sahabi. فَلَمَّا قَضَى زَيْدٌ مِّنْهَا In the 22nd para, Surah mm-hmm. Al-Hazab. The only Sahabi. So this man got married to Hazrat Ummi Ayman. So the nikah was done. Now Hazrat Zaid was very handsome, white in complexion. But Hazrat Ummi Ayman was quite dark in complexion. So it was, he was very handsome and she was dark in complexion. And from Hazrat Zaid, Allah blessed them with a son whose name was Hazrat Usama. Hazrat Usama. Not bin Ladin, huh? Hazrat Usama bin Zaid. Now everyone knew that Usama is the son of Hazrat Zaid. But the Munafikin that were there accused Hazrat Zaid. And they said, look, Usama is not the son of Zaid. Zaid is an Arab, very handsome, white in complexion. I don't think that Usama, we don't think that Usama is the son of Hazrat Zaid. Because uh, Hazrat Usama was quite dark in complexion. And the features were also very different from Hazrat Zaid. So this was something that gave a bit of trouble to Hazrat Zaid. And also to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because he was known as... The Hubbur Nabi, that he was the Muhib of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Hazrat Usama. And then in uh, Arabia at that time you had certain individuals who, the people were very superstitious. And they had a lot of faith with some of these psychic minded people who would come. And there was this, this man who had a lot of experience and he was psychic minded in determining family relationship. So he came to Madinatul Munawwara and he would say, this child belongs to that person, he is related there, he is the cousin of that person, he is that, he is that. You'll find some people face reading, that by looking at your face they'll tell you what's happened. They'll look at your eyes and they'll say that right, this man is related to that person. They'll look at some part of your body and they can actually open up for you your, your family tree. So this man had come and Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa already knew and had said that Osama is the son of Hazrat Zaid. 
So what Hazrat Zaid and Hazrat Usama did is that in order to test uh, that individual and also a lot of the hypocrites that were there, Hazrat Zaid and Hazrat Usama, both father and son, came in front of that person covering their faces. Covering their faces. And in front of an audience, they said that, right, can you tell us whether these two individuals are related? And the only body part that was exposed was the feet section. Nothing else. Now, Hazrat Zaid's had a very white complexion and Hazrat Usama was very dark. So you had the munafikin that were there and this man looked at the, the feet of Usama and looked at the feet of Zaid and he said, no, all of you are wrong. This feet belong to those feet. As in, as in what he was saying is that the feet of Usama are part of the feet of this individual. And he said that, to my best understanding, he is the father and he is the son. And when this uh, chadar veil was lifted, it was exactly as what he had said. He said that Hazrat Zaid was the father of Hazrat Usama. This was uh, when all of the munafiqeen had no choice but to accept that Hazrat Usama is the son of Hazrat Zaid. So she was Hazrat Umm Ayman. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam dearly loved her. And many a times it is said that Allah's Nabi would even joke with her. And Allah's Nabi's joking was in, in a complete truth, truth form. Mm-hmm. Everything what he, he would say and what he would utter was nothing but the truth. So once she came and she said, Ya Rasulullah, can you give me a camel as a means of conveyance for me so I can sit and travel so Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam says I will give you the child of a camel I will give you so she thought what will I do with a baby camel and Allah's Nabi said I'll give you a child of a camel and she said ya Rasulullah this will not serve my purpose I need to sit I need to travel from one part of Medina to another part and so Allah's Nabi started laughing with Umm Ayman mother figure and said Allah's Nabi said isn't Every camel that you see, the child of another camel. <laughs> so you can be 50 and say that, and a mother might say that, Ye mera beta, this is my dear son, little son, whatever, and he's 50 years of age. That's fine. So this was a joke of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but subhanallah, how true he was. How true he was. And many incidents have occurred. It is said that once Ayman had prepared food, and Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was there. And she came and she said, Ya Rasulullah, eat. Allah's Nabi said, no, I won't eat. Eat, I won't eat. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would laugh and look at Umm Ayman. She would force Allah's Nabi to eat and Huzur alayhi salam would say, I won't eat, I won't eat. Allah might have mentioned the reason why he did not eat was because Allah's Nabi was fasting. But she did not realize. But the love she had for Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that she cared for Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam throughout his life. From Bibi Khadijatul Kubra until the very end. In fact, she stayed alive during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar. And Hazrat Abu Bakr and Umar would personally go and visit her just like how Allah's Nabi would visit her. And showed all the respect to Umm Ayman. These are just some of the 
incredible women mentioned in the ahadith and the seerah of Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiyallahu ta'ala wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana muhammadin nabil ummi wa ala alihi wa sallim taslima Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tub alayna inna kanta tawabu rahim nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk sami'na wa ta'ana gufranaka rabbana wa ilayk al-masir bi rahmatika ya rahmat rahim